What's going on, guys? It's Dylan. And Will. Welcome to the JFD Podcast. Just flippin' do it. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking it. That's fucking it. And we're gonna fade out. Alright, cool. Well, in that case, um, let's do it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the JFD Podcast, Episode 2. For those coming for the first time, welcome. For those who are coming from Episode 1, welcome. Uh, <laughs> quick background on who we are and the structure, just so everybody knows. Dylan and I, friends, originally met uh, at work, and... We spend so much of our time talking about tackling personal projects and pushing each other that we figured we'd record it and share it with people who are in a similar journey, trying to do things with their life and, and figuring out how to get there and um, want to find people that they can relate to. That's who this is for. In terms of structure, it's kind of loose. The things that we want to stick to no matter what, though, is that at the beginning of every episode, we are going to check in on what we have done, what we have learned, and what we plan to do in the future. And that will be what we touch on in the following podcast. So every podcast is about doing something. It's about momentum and it's about making actual progress. And then we go into a massive rabbit hole of just random ass stories that yeah. are interesting. And then we cap it off with a deep reflective question about who the fuck knows what, but usually meaningful conversations are had. So with that said, welcome. And welcome. let's begin. Dylan, do you want to add anything? Um, no, this is exactly, we just had a conversation before this, and that's exactly why you are the man to intro us into these podcasts, because you can just <laughs> put everything together so well. And look, he just put that together Thank so you. perfectly. All right, so um, let's get to it. Let's talk business. Let's talk what we've done. Um, since I have used all the airspace up till now, Dylan, do you want to start talking about what you've done, what you've learned, and what you plan to do? Yeah. So it's going to be very um, not so much game plan oriented, but more of the social media aspect of things. Um, so when we originally were starting, I remember you first started putting out clips, which you still are doing, um, putting out like little, as you call talking head clips. Uh, yeah. Where does, where does that term come from, by the way? I want to know. Talking head clips. Is it just because it's just your face? Yeah. I mean, it's, the only, it's the only thing you see. So it's like, okay. yeah, I, 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 I might have just made that up, but it seems like... Um, Seems like an official term, so I said I call them talking head videos. Okay, okay, makes sense, makes sense. Um, yeah, so I tried, I recorded one, <laughs> I recorded one, and um, it went fine, but like I had the clip, and it just it that way did not feel natural to me. I think I felt like forced, like it didn't it didn't just flow, um, and I feel like I'm more. I have to my outlet has to be more like. Um, not that it's not creative, but more creative in a sense and more like how yeah. I showed you 
earlier or yesterday or earlier today. Um, I, I opened the message question. today. Right. Okay. Okay. So today we talked about it very briefly. Um, and Do you want to talk I, about what's in that clip? Do you want to like describe what's in that clip? Yeah. 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 I'll, I was going to go over that. Oh, sorry. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 No, you're, you're good. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm like these, the talking head clips, um, they're cool and they work well. Maybe I'll do some in the future when I'm, you know, more just comfortable with all the, the camera work and being in front of a camera, um, and speaking, yeah. um, but and not doing so many ums. Cause that is, I've been catching myself with that so much, but this clip that I saw and I sent you was a, basically it was B roll of a guy in the gym and the filtering and the effects he had on it were very dark and dramatic. And then he had some music over it. Right. And it was also very dramatic music and it was kind of sad music in a way, but it was supposed to be a motivational clip and it was talking about, you just got to do your shit, like start kind of, kind of like what this is about. And um, even though that's a very simple and I can do so many different things with that, but I feel like I'd be more comfortable doing something like that. And it's a better creative outlet for me to build on. So he had a, he had subtitles going over it, over the B roll. And then an AI guy speaking, like saying what the words on the screen are saying. And I think that would be a really cool way for me to start. And I think that's what I'm um, aiming to do instead of the talking head videos. Um, but I will, I definitely want to eventually work into doing those videos as well. Cause I want to speak in my content as well. I don't want it to just be me, the guy behind the screen, but you're not actually hearing from me and my voice. Cause that's a different impact than just having, you know, subtitles and AI bot speaking, um, with some kind of, you know, B-roll in the background. It's cool for creativity. And I think there is a huge um, audience that loves that. Cause I mean, when you go through, you know, YouTube shorts or TikTok or Instagram reels, these kind of clips are very popular and they get tons of engagement. Um, and I, yeah. I personally, I enjoy them a lot. So I think it would be really cool for me to do it and then eventually put my own unique twist on it. So that's the direction I'm thinking of going with my content. Um, and you gave that idea of my trip to San Diego and get some B-roll or something and then use those clips to put onto a video and, and then I'll, you know, create some copy, put the subtitles on there, get an AI voice to speak over it and put some music on it, depending on, <laughs> depending on what the message is for the first one. We'll see. It's not going to be all dramatic like the ones that I usually watch but uh, I want it to definitely be impactful for people who watch it. And I want people to come back and they like even rewatch it because it gives them some kind of impact or some kind of message that resonates with them and is a good reminder. Um, So that's what I am gonna do moving forward. And that is kind of the thing I was looking, uh, I was doing some research on those clips too um, earlier in the week. But I found that one clip and I was like, oh, Will's got to see this. So we're going to meet in about maybe a week from now. Mm-hmm. So my question is, and I, I, I'm now introducing a new theme or phrase into this show. 
just to like solidify the structure of, of the accountability piece. Uh, what are you going to be on the hook for between now and when we meet next? Let's say it's a week and then maybe maximum two weeks. Do you think you'll have a video out? What, what's the limited objective? What are you on the hook for? I want to either have the clip made right. or I want to it to be already out. Where? Let's be, let's be specific. Where's it uh, going to land? TikTok, uh, YouTube shorts. I do want to leverage that. I want to play around with that for sure. And then Instagram reels. Okay. Those are the three. So you're going to aim for less than 60 seconds then, or are you going to have a longer clip for Instagram and then a shorter one for YouTube where you're not sure yet? That's true because YouTube, YouTube is the only one that you have to keep at 60 seconds or less. Correct. Um, yeah. Okay. So maybe I'll have to do like a, um, adjust the clip. Um, I'll make one for TikTok and, and Instagram reels, just the length I want it. It's not, it's not gonna be some crazy long video anyways. It probably won't even be over a minute, but I'll just adjust it and okay. then take out clips to, I mean, cut, cut the clip to make it shorter if I need to. Okay. That's for YouTube. So, so it is June 8th. So by June 15th. Yep. All right. So anything else you want to add? Uh, it'll, I'll, I want you to talk about what you're doing first, but I was going to want to talk about oh. social media. Stuff. Oh, we'll have story time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. What have I done? So actually a very quick recap. I spoke about this in episode one because I just listened to it. I can actually remember what I said. So I was working on a couple of things. I had just completed my website. It's published. I've not put it on my LinkedIn. So I've, the website exists and it's public, but I've not been loud about it. Um, part of me is kind of abandoned it, but I, I think I will get back to it as a next step. What I'm probably going to do is remove the newsletter subscribe button. I don't know that I want to spend my time on a newsletter right now. Um, so I might close those buttons and then just have the website be a landing page, uh, for people to know, um, who I am and what I'm doing and the background around the function of the website. It's, it's twofold. So for, from a pre professional career perspective, it's an easy way for people to see a portfolio, see the projects I've done, which I'll start documenting on my website as it pertains to like the kinds of jobs that I do. And then the secondary thing is just as I'm building out content, I can have a website be the landing zone for that content as well. So that's why the website exists. In terms of other stuff that I've done since we last spoke, I have cut and published uh, maybe maybe 10 videos. Some are in draft. So I'll, I'll actually say 10 to 15 videos. Some published, most published, some in draft. Uh, and I've been posting them on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, and is that it? Maybe that's it. Some on YouTube. And again, the whole experiment is, is trying to speak about things that I think are of value, distilling it in a video, and then letting the market slash audience decide if it's actually valuable. If they engage, that tells me that, okay, there was something valuable here for somebody else. And if they don't engage, it could be a combination of the algorithm or just you know, bad targeting, bad hashtags, or the content itself just 
was not helpful, which is good feedback. Um, so three very quick lessons that I've learned so far and then what I'm on the hook for, and then we got some stories or Dylan's got a story. <laughs> so, so the three quick lessons are, are, are this number one, take nothing personally. And this is me like observing my own emotional reaction to posting these videos. Some of them do pretty well. Like there's decent engagement, decent views, um, the content performs well. And then there's ones that totally flopped. And it's so interesting because like one video I was showing Dylan yesterday, I posted it on TikTok and it had some of the best engagement I've seen. And then on LinkedIn, it, it completely flopped. And the only person who liked it was Dylan. <laughs> oh, was it uh, really? I didn't know. Yeah, was... which, is, which is fine. It's the reason why I say don't take, per, don't take it personally is because every video you submit is like an experiment, right? So like a scientist doesn't get upset if they have to reject their hypothesis, like if the thing they thought might be true wasn't true, they're excited to find out either way, to find out if their hypothesis was true or wasn't because they're excited to learn. And so in terms of reframing how you interpret, ah, oh, people like this or people didn't like it. So seeing it as positive, negative, I think just from a practical standpoint, seeing it all as lessons on what works, what doesn't, what people find helpful, what they don't find helpful. It's all, it's all set up to make you better if you can see it that way. Um, that was lesson two, actually. And then the final lesson is one that I'm going through right now, which is you have to lose yourself in the process to find yourself. Because I'm realizing that one of the things, the double-edged sword of looking at engagement is that you subconsciously want to try to corner yourself into a topic or a format that got a lot of engagement previously. So like the concept that I heard is like called audience capture. And so eventually like the slippery slope that I'm, I'm cognizant of is that you're just doing things for the likes and you stop enjoying the process and you stop believing in the content you're creating, which I think is, uh, the worst place to be in. Um, so I, I think I have lost myself in some videos. I was like, I, I just saw another video online. And I was like, Oh, this gets a lot of engagement. Let me try it. I'm just experimenting, but, um, I think one of the biggest things to be mindful of in this exercise is to remember to be yourself. And sometimes that can be the hardest thing when you're looking at all this external data and you're looking at reactions from other people, you have to balance wanting to engage people, but also remaining true to yourself in the process. Otherwise you will, I will be totally miserable. Okay. Yeah. Those are the lessons. What am I on the hook for in the next seven days? I would like to shoot and cut five videos and post them. Um, I don't know that they'll all go on LinkedIn, but for sure, Instagram and TikTok, and then some on LinkedIn and I'm going to continue to balance this idea of staying true to myself while also trying to triangulate what it is about the stuff that I'm interested in that other people that there's an audience for that they can find value from. So five videos minimum, more is better. And I will be cutting clips of this episode uh, as well. So for sure, there's going to be a lot of content from that. So I had a question. So with yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that you had the whole, we're talking about how the engagement on LinkedIn isn't, you know, anywhere near as good as Instagram or um, TikTok. 
so if you keep seeing or if you if you don't see growth i guess or um your engagement going up on linkedin would be specifically the clips not any uh-huh. other stuff clips yeah do you think you're gonna like say within the next like month of just uploading clips very um, regularly do you think you're gonna keep uploading on linkedin or like the clips or do you do you think you're just gonna be like okay maybe it's not worth like uploading on linkedin all the time also and just stick to tiktok and instagram reels and then eventually youtube shorts that's an interesting question the cost of me uploading to another platform is zero right if i'm shooting a video it takes minutes to decide that i want to post it on linkedin mm-hmm. but if there if the traction just doesn't seem to be clicking uh i don't know what decision i'll make it, it like it can go one of two ways one i could continue to stick with it maybe for another month or two and just make sure that i'm iterating from clip to clip like really thinking about the elements that make something worth somebody's attention right um oh shoot i want to touch on that for a second okay two like two seconds because we you and i were talking about this earlier but i think it's important as an observation about this whole project and also about the jfd podcast that we're doing when i was editing this like editing this our last podcast uploading on youtube and scrolling on spotify podcasts I was amazed by the volume of podcasts that are online. I was also amazed by how many of them stopped after a few episodes. Uh, there was an, in fact, there's another JFD podcast on YouTube. They posted two videos and they stopped. Yeah. So I see that first of all, as a cautionary tale, it's like, you can just quit. Uh, but I, I, as long as you're in and I'm, I'm in this content creation project slash experiment for the long run, because I feel like the longer you stay and the harder you work, the higher probability you have of actually making something good. And I think a lot of those people quit too soon, by the way, as a separate note, um, like they, it take, I sent you this clip, like Alex Ramosi posted videos for four years and barely got any traction. And then in year five, like you figured out his shit, I'm ready for this to take five years, man, or longer. Right, yeah, like because I'm enjoying every yeah. podcast. Go, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was gonna say because the payout can be great. Just like him, Alex, Alex Ramosi, right? That was his name. Yeah, although yeah, I mean, well, if you're talking about payout in terms of, in terms of money, he doesn't need the social media. I mean, it helps, but he he he's fine financially. But I think you know, there's also yeah. payout in terms of just the satisfaction of knowing I stuck with something. And I learned a lot and I grew something, but it's tough. It's like, when do you know when to stick with something or when to quit? That's also tough. Cause you can also be like too stubborn and not quit when you should. Right. I kind of, I guess that kind of goes in with that whole thing about people who take something like very seriously and are very much like, oh, this needs to succeed. This needs to happen versus somebody who does it for fun and as a hobby, I had a friend, I remember like a couple years ago, he was a, a musician and he was starting a band and he was very adamant about like, I need to become a musician. That is my dream. I need to succeed. And then I uh-huh. play guitar and I was like, 
playing guitar a lot more. I was making music with my buddy and he's all like, he's like, why don't you start, you know, join a band or something or side band, play music, um, and make a career out of it. And I was like, Oh, I was like, I'm not, I don't see it that way. Like, I'm not really interested in that way. It's more of a hobby for me. I just enjoy it. Having fun. And he goes, he goes, well, those people are usually the ones that end up succeeding because you're just having fun with it. You're not stuck in the process. You're stuck in just the fun of it. And you're just enjoying your time. And naturally you're going to put as much effort as you can into it because you're just enjoying it. You're not in, you're not in your head of like, Oh, I need this to succeed. I need this to, to happen. So I think if we can keep that mentality on this, it'll make it, and it, it seems like that's what we are in, especially like I'm seeing, I'm hearing from you, you're like, I'm in it for like this content game. This is going to be, this is fun. We just keep like banging out episodes, talking, you know, shooting shit. And eventually it's just going to turn into what it turns into as long as we're having fun and we're just enjoying it. I I agree. You have to like, I mean, I'm just going to echo you. You have to like intrinsically enjoy it. There's the external rewards and internal rewards. And it's like they're interlinked. You, to get the external rewards, those are usually more downstream. So in the meantime, you have to find something internally rewarding about what you're doing to get there. So, um, yeah, dude, this is like the... I posted about like working out in college. Yeah. My blog. And then um wait, did you oh, yeah. did you read that? Yeah, I did read that one. Okay. I'll You can I'll, Yeah, I'll just echo it. It's like it's like two seconds. It's like my best friend Gordon and I in college when we were eighteen. It was like freshman year. Um, I definitely proposed it. I was like, Gordon, we have to have muscles to get the chicks. Um, I get it, dude. It's so cringy when I say it, but that, those are the words that came out of my mouth. I guarantee it. I know my 18 year old self, I would have said that shit. And, and Gordon was like, he was just in quiet agreement. He just like nodded. And then he joined me in the gym for like three years. But my point is, it's like, I wrote in the post, like we started for one reason. We started for that reason, but then we realized we hated it at first, right? Like we didn't get. It was all external rewards. It was all about getting a date because we thought that the only thing that got you a date was looks and, you know, like, and not being a nice person and things like that. Uh, But then we stuck with it because we found internal rewards, right? Like we realized, oh, our bodies and minds feel great after working out, right? So then every workout became the reward. And I mean, I've been doing it ever since, right? It's just, it's just fun. So yeah, that was kind of, kind of, uh, <laughs> we, uh, in, when I first started posting on social media a lot, like years and years ago, I was someone who was like, ah, oh, you know, screw social media. It's stupid. It's just people want the attention and it's just toxic. And this was like 2016, somewhere around there, maybe 2015, 2016. And then I got instagram in like 2016 now still in high mm-hmm. school but it was just i would just make a post here and there uh really rarely but i didn't really care about social media at all and then yeah. i came across who we'll also talk about later and i ran into Eman gadji and then he had the whole social media marketing 
thing going on at the time and he had his courses and he was teaching it online and I had never heard of it and I was like oh this is this is interesting and I started not with the thought of oh, I like I still wasn't into social media I didn't like it and I was like but this is like a really good opportunity it seems like so I started building up which one thing is building a personal brand and I started making posts um, to build up my personal brand. And at first it was just kind of a chore. I didn't really care. And then you just start getting addicted to it. Not in the sense of like social media and wanting clout necessarily, but the seeing your page just grow was so fun. And I fell in love with the content process, like making, like taking the pictures and editing and then like what kind of, you know, writing your caption, what is the message going to be today? And then networking with other people that are in the whole social media game, building up their personal brands. And then I eventually changed from me just not liking social media at all to, oh, this is, this is so much fun. It just became like a hobby. But at the same time, yeah. eventually people, I got so good at it. People are asking me, oh shit, like, how can I, how can I do this? How can I do that? Not like necessarily the, the monetary side, but just building up an audience. And eventually, like, I think we talked about, I don't think it was in the podcast, but offline, uh, when I was doing the, the captions where it starts in all caps, you have like your, your header and it's like, um, man, you know, manifestation is your best friend or something like that. And then you start that and it captures the attention and then that has to connect with the picture somehow. Like I will put a picture of, you know, a Lamborghini or something, me with a Lamborghini and then it catches their attention. And it's like, cause I'm manifesting and I'm like talking about manifestation and something, you know, someone wants to manifest in a Lamborghini, they want success, whatever it is. And I started doing that and then people, People started asking me, what do you do? And then I did that. And then people started seeing more growth because of that. And I was just learning all this, these growth strategies, because I was having fun with it at the end of the day. I kind of went on longer than I needed to there. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I was just having fun with it. And that's how I really started growing and doing better. Yeah, it's like um, I'm totally forgetting the core message. I mean, I'm, running, I'm remembering bits of it. There's like this TED Talk and it's it's like one of the most watched TED talks and it's about the importance of play. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly that. It's like when you think of something like, it's like playing, like you're a kid, you one, you're having a great time. Right. Yeah. Uh, but you're also thinking this is the hypothesis. I don't know that you can really truly measure it well or how you, you know, what measurements you would take, but you, you think when, when you're in this state of play, you're happy, you are thinking more creatively versus when you have your back against the wall, um, your thinking tends to be a little bit more narrow. Right. Right. So, yeah. um, I just think like, and yeah, I agree. And enjoying the process is huge. Yeah. I mean, that also went into play with like the whole social media marketing when I created my business. And I yeah, was yeah. at a point that I was making enough money to quit my job and, uh, that, and I was just having fun with it. It wasn't like work. I wasn't like, Oh, I have to do this. I, it was like a hobby, you know? And then it just eventually played out and, uh, yeah. So and then it, the, 
pandemic struck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was out of your hands, though. You you couldn't have done anything about that, right? Yeah. Out of your control. Depressing. It's okay, Say man. You're back. You're doing stuff. We're back. We're back, baby. Yeah. Um, where do we want to segue this to? You want me to talk about the um, the story that I think I've kind of told you about that involves a certain public figure? Yes. Let's go there. Yes. Or do you yeah, want to? No, or do you want to add anything? I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off right now. No, I, I am ready to, you might've told me, but I'm ready to hear the story. Yeah. Cause this story can, oh man, if well, I, well, I want to talk beginning. What is, what's the, what is the context of the story? I mean, I know you're going to share the full story, but like, what is the, I'm going about this backwards. You're going to tell me what the lesson is from the story after the fucking story. Just tell me the story. I'm going to shut up. Just tell me the story. <laughs> yeah. So this was all from. I'll start from the beginning. This is when I first started. I'm not when I quite first, but in the beginning of my social media journey, like in 2017, end of 2017, when I really started posting a lot. And as you do that, naturally you start connecting with other people that are doing the same thing as you. So I was networking with tons of people on social media while I'm posting and making content, growing my personal brand. And I connected with a few people. Uh, one of, I'll, I won't, yeah, I'll say his name. I don't care. His Dude, name was do what Jeff. you feel comfortable with, man. I don't care. The, the dude's probably in jail somewhere anyways. <laughs> and, um, say um, his name. Say his name. His name was Yadu. And I know I, I have somebody. Y-A-D-U. And he oh, was, from, he was he's from Belgium. I thought there would be an H in there for some reason. That's just Yadu. Yeah. Yep, just Yadu. And did he have any nicknames he, or was it just Yadu? Just Yadu. He's called me Yadu. Right. Okay, sorry. <laughs> just saying something someone to have a nickname. No, um, I don't know. Okay, all right, go ahead. Okay, yeah. Yadu. <laughs> yeah, so this man Yadu. Uh he was one of the first people I got kind of close to in while I was networking with a lot of people. And yeah. he was a part of the crew that I am still, there's still people I talk to nowadays. And mm. um, eventually maybe we'll get them on and we they can add to this story. Because uh, they yeah, have we... a lot of stuff to say. Um, and a lot of emotions. <laughs> yeah. okay, that so, be a whole episode. Wait, you all hate Yadu? Oh, all of us mutually the same level. Maybe maybe them more, more so because they actually like, uh, I don't know how much I want to say here, but they, they lost... Yeah. Because this this not, is what, <laughs> honestly, you will hate him. You'll hate him as much as us at the end of this. All right. But okay. he started, he was one of the first people, seemed like the nicest dude. He was so genuine. And yeah, yeah. He just had that kind of that charisma where it just, like, it just sucked people in and people just wanted magnetic. to be friends. Yeah, yeah, he was super magnetic. And, like, the way he spoke, he had, like, he was super confident when he spoke, but at the same time, he was like, he was just super friendly and everyone liked him. He was super cool. And he was like part of our, the like inner circle we kind of created out of all the networking we were doing. And he was one of the closest people to me. And 
for maybe a year we were we would do like accountability calls and then we'd brainstorm together because he was also doing social media marketing how often just out of curiosity like how often did you do it or do you remember we accountability meetings um i don't know every couple times a month or so but we would meet and like brainstorm things because it wasn't really like structured necessarily but we would just be we were talking so frequently we would just eventually they like be like okay let's set this meeting um but we were blending ideas yeah yeah and uh we would we would dm each other or text each other on whatsapp all the time um we were sharing like oh check this out like go read this article or go watch this video or check out this course. And, and then we would have meetings where like, not just him and I, but other people too, we get together and we brainstorm things um, or give each other um, lessons that we learned. Um, if, if, if they were like ahead of us in the social media game and they already started their company, then they can teach us more so we can get started. But he was like, yes, I started my, I think it was like January, sorry, in like January 2018, somewhere around there is when I became friends with him. And then by about May yeah. or June of 2018, he was like, he got his first client, social media marketing. That was, he opened up his company. It was a social media marketing company. Got his first How much client. did Maybe he close them for? I think, I think it was 1500 a month. So, um, oh, monthly. It wasn't a flat yeah. fee or so contract, it was you, monthly. Yeah, I'm not sure how it is now, but back then it was the whole uh, monthly recurring pay. And usually you put them on a contract for like, oh, we're going to do like six months for uh, $1,500 a month. So you do something like that. Or it could just be where you just do $1,500 a month and you can just cancel like when you want. So that was kind of the typical um, structure to it. And he got his first one and he was the first out of all of us to get a client. Uh, And then that was a pretty decent sized client. And we're like, yeah. dude, that's so sick. So we were getting hyped and we're like, obviously he's doing something right, of course, because he's the one that's actually getting results here right now. So Agreed. we kind of, we kind of, I guess, put him on a pedestal and, you know, we're like, okay, this guy's doing something good. And then he closed like another client within the next month or so. And then by the end of the year, like I'll, I'll kind of skip through all the, the crap through that six months. And then like at the end of the year, like November or so, he was like making just absurd amounts of money a month. And it was like, it, it was so believable because if you met him, like just how magnetic, like you said, he was so, so charismatic. And it was like believable in the way and the confidence he's spoken and he can speak about social media, social media marketing on like a pretty high level. So it seemed totally believable. Like, cause he just seemed like he had all his shit together. And we're like, man, you're really making like, you know, over 10,000 a month at this point. And then, uh, yeah. And then he, damn. this is where it started really changing. And he moved from Belgium to London and cause he was making more money and he wanted to move to London. That was one of his goals. And he moved great. out there. Yeah. And he, so he moved out there. That was a whole fiasco. And this is where things started getting a little sketchy. And I started kind of second guessing a lot of things. And when he made his move, he had a, he was like, yeah, I got this apartment and everything. 
Um, and then I like, he's like, I want to have a, throw an event with a lot of my, um, or not an event, but like just a kind of get together with, uh, I want to invite some clients that I have out. And then I want to invite like my closest friends in this space, which was like me and then a couple of my other buddies. And he's like, yeah. I'll fly you out. Like, I'll pay for your tickets. I'll get you like business class. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, dude. Like, I want to go out there and support you and everything. And he was going to do that. And then he was like, showed me pictures of this apartment complex that he was, he was going to live at and everything. So he was showing like real images of these places. So he was showing like evidence that he was there. And he was like, even showed me like, he's, I just signed the contract. Like I just got this apartment and everything. And, and then the whole event thing he was saying, so there's a lot of things going on over there. So it made it seem real. And yeah, for sure. And then he was like, ah, oh, shoot. Um, we're living in a hotel right now. So like his parents, I think we're gonna, I don't remember if they were going to move there with him or not. I can't quite remember, but his parents were with him for some reason, his mom and his dad. And they were living okay. in a hotel because he had to wait. And I guess like there's some stuff that happened with the apartment. So he had to wait a little bit to be able to move in. So, but he was already in London. So he's like, okay, I will we'll just live in the hotel right now. And he even like told me which hotel he was staying at and everything. And he was, he was staying there. He was actually at that hotel. And then he calls me up and then he asks me if uh, he can borrow some money. And it was like, like 4,000 or something like that. It was some absurd amount. And then I'll like, tell you why. Why do you need to ask him? Yeah. And it was for the hotel costs and then like just living because then I was like, fourth i was like really and then it, he was he i guess he's saying it's something like ritz fancy ritz carlson or uh ritz carlton or something and then i was like well you have a he had a rolex he was saying he showed it to me like the picture and everything he had gotten and he got his mom one supposedly too and i was like, oh, why don't you go pawn it or something so you can get some money and then you have some money to like cover the costs right now yeah and so I was giving yeah. him ideas because they're like four thousand at that time. It's like that's a any time. That's a lot to just Dude, four thousand right um, now is is a lot of money. Yeah, that's a that's yeah. a lot. And so I was like, yeah, that's that's a bit much. And he was pretty adamant. And then another thing was my buddy. I've mentioned him, my buddy Kevin, and he he uh, asked me to ask Kevin if he can borrow some money. That's and weird. Yeah, then it was getting That's extra fishy. Weird. Yeah. So I'm like, you're asking me to ask my friend for money. Like, he knew Kevin, but he wasn't as close to Kevin as me. And, but it wasn't like, he wasn't close enough to Kevin to go and, like, borrow money from him and be asking. Like, that's weird. Like, for me, I guess it makes a little more sense because I was closer to him. But Kevin, I was like, okay, that's that's weird, dude. And, like, you're very adamant about this. And then... I was like, okay, he must be like, there's something up here. Cause none of this is adding up right now. And I was asking why can't you get money out of your bank? Like you have so much money. And then he was like, oh, he's like, well, there's, there's like this whole problem with my Belgian bank account and transferring, you know, and then transferring the money over to my new bank account in London. Okay. And he just came up with as many excuses as he could. And mm -hmm. then I was like, okay, this is, this is weird. 
like that's an absurd amount of money to stay at a hotel for like a like a few days or something like that and then i went to my buddies and i got them on a zoom call i'm like i need you on a call now like we need to talk now and they live in the netherlands so i don't know what time it was over there at that time i was like we need to talk like this is bad and because they were close to him as well Mm -hmm. and i'll never forget this moment and i sit them down uh, there's two of them and they're talking to me and or i was talking to them and i was like okay you guys need to like listen up this is you're gonna because they were getting coached by him too and they were like i think paying him okay and and then i remember i was like i want you guys to stay calm i was like i think that yadu is like something up with him i think he's trying to scam us and they're like, like, why? And then I explained all this stuff to them. And then they had gave him money and everything already. So they had already gotten scammed by him because they were asking, he was asked, or Yadi was asking them the same thing. Like I need costs covered for my hotel. So he was asking everyone that he got close to for money, but none of us knew that he was asking each, each of us. And then, wow, <laughs> just, I remember how, you, how what's that? shameless man yeah i mean you guys are friends how would you not come to the conclusion he i mean he probably knew it would happen eventually but he was hoping that he could take the money before you guys connected the dots yeah right no it's it's crazy and then he i mean there's even another thing he did like in the middle of all this because this went on for a while till i got to this point where i concluded like oh he's scamming us like he went yeah. to New York, he flew out to New York, but that was with the money that he had scammed people out of. And then he flew out to like New York. And then I don't remember, oh, it was Forbes. Cause he was like, yeah, Forbes wants to interview me. <laughs> and then, uh, cause he had just wild success or whatever on his business. And he literally went to New York, flew out there and then uh, sent us pictures and videos like, guys, this is crazy. And then he went to Forbes, like their headquarters in New York or whatever, wherever it was. And he was taking pictures, sending videos to us. And I was like, what? That's crazy. So he's literally doing all this stuff. So you think it's real, but it's from the money he's taking from people. And then, yeah, that was in the middle of all that. And then I told my buddies and then they were, they, they believed me. And they're like, holy shit. Cause they, they connected the dots and then all of us connected the dots. And we're like, this is crazy. We need to rally everyone up. Cause he, we knew there was a lot of people he was connected with and he was potentially scamming. So we rallied up like a bunch of people and everybody, like almost everyone had gotten scammed by him, like out of like thousands, like individually thousands. So, and he equated to like 50,000 he had scammed out of everyone in total. And it, it was insanity. Um, I won't get into all the personal stuff with some of the people. Um, it would sure. add to the story, but I don't, I don't want to talk too much. We have about to go too deep into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So we rallied up. We, then we started playing stupid after that. And still, cause Yachty didn't know that we had caught on to it at this point. So he was, I think in like Australia at that point or something for something, Australia. Dude, this guy's or... all over the place with money that apparently he needs and doesn't have, like he's well, asking he for money, but he's like it. calling you from different places. Yeah. And he was using what? it to just go vacation basically, just like to go and have fun and live life with free money. And yeah, I think hmm. he was in like Australia 
at the time. No, Spain, one of those. And we found out one his parents. Places. Yeah, we uh, we found out his parents like were involved with it as well, and they were part of the scam. And That's my buddy, up. yeah, my buddy. That's mega fucked up. up. She, because they seemed like the sweetest people, but obviously, like Yadi seemed like the sweetest dude also. And I remember inter- uh, one of my buddies, because uh, they speak Dutch. So mm-hmm. my buddy is from uh, the Netherlands, so he speaks Dutch. And then he got on a call and then he had his phone recording, like on the side next to him. So they couldn't see that the whole thing was getting recorded. And he was kind of confronting her a little bit, but very loosely. So it didn't seem like too suspect. And she pretended like we were all like, wow, you know, he's on this. Like he's scam. You're a part of this. And this like, is his mother. Him, yes. His mother. Okay. Okay. And they're like, basically told they like, Oh, you're using this. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he's essentially get then he's scamming. And she's like, ah, oh, she's like acting so dumbfounded. And we're like, that was the most fake. Like she was putting on such an act and everything we're like okay they're definitely in on this and <laughs> wait wait can you uh impersonate her reaction please <laughs> i i don't really remember i just remember it was like a gasp of some sort i know uh, but even the gasp must have had whiffs of <laughs> bullshit like oh i'm gonna oh no i will eventually get my buddies on this podcast like and- they will they will sprinkle some more details on this. They can go into it more. Like they have right. so much more to add to this. Uh, <laughs> it was such a oh, it was crazy. And this, this is the funniest thing. So he's uh-huh. in. Uh, we were. I think we were. This was right before we confronted him. Well, my buddy confronted him and called him out. This was before on that, the phone. Um, on a Zoom call, and. No, no, actually, no, he had got confronted at this point, but he didn't know that I knew this was going on. He just thought it was my buddies. And my buddies confronted him and were like, you know, basically, you're scamming people. We know you are, this and that. I don't remember the whole conversation. And then he admitted to it. He was really quiet and then admitted, basically, he was scamming. And um, and so he didn't know that I knew about all this, like that that he was scamming people. So I was still trying to, that we were still trying to use me as a way to get in contact with him because he ghosted everybody after the confrontation. So we were trying to use me to still get, like, because we wanted to get the money back for the people or, like, get him arrested or something. Um, even yep. though all of us were, like, from around the world. So it's kind of hard. But... Well, he knew that. So I, Yeah. So I I was trying my hardest, and he he was really hard to get a hold of. And then I finally did. And then he was like, oh, yeah, I'm in Malaysia right now. And I was like, oh, okay. Dude, can and you really believe like, him anymore? Like, no, do you I, really I, think I, he's I, wherever he says he is? Because I also don't believe that. Oh, it's no. like, I feel like it's hard to believe anything he says. No, um, he definitely wasn't. And then I remember another thing was when they were confronting him. He's like, well, he's like. He was sending pictures he's like, well, he's like, you think this Rolex is fake, this and that, blah, blah, blah. He's trying to like show that he has money to like prove that he's not scamming or something. It was stupid. But uh, he, I got in contact with him eventually. And mm-hmm. he was probably a little bit suspicious that I 
knew about it. I was trying to act dumb. Like I didn't know that any of this was going on. Uh, but I mean, he you had me the liar too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he knew that I was um, close with these other guys. He's like, and Dylan's got him now. Yeah. And I was like, I, I was like, I need to get on a call with you. I want to get on a call with you. And you said he that. was just, yeah, yeah, I wanted to get on a call with him so I can, I can confront him as well. And he just coming up with excuses. <laughs> the, uh, this I'm is actually the in most, the ocean. Like, no, uh, it's, it's crazier. This is the most absurd freaking thing you'll ever hear. The most absurd excuse. So he was in Malaysia, supposedly, right? And yes. I was like, I want to get on a call with you. It's important. This and that. And then he goes, he goes, no, he's like, actually, I'm in an emergency right now. I'm going to have to, they're going to have to fly me out to a hospital in Atlanta, Atlanta, Georgia from Malaysia, because I potentially, I'm going to need to get my leg amputated. <laughs> and I was like, what, for what, why would you need your leg amputated? He goes, I was taking a jog in the rice fields in Malaysia and a snake bit my leg. A poisonous snake. And then now I need to get my leg amputated. <laughs> Not in a Malaysian hospital, though. No. In, in like, Atlanta. I need to go to Atlanta, Georgia. And I was like, this is crazy. I remember telling my the, my buddies, and they're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it was just the most absurd story ever. And, He's a compulsive uh, liar. That's what yeah, he is. That, that's what it was, 100%. Everything's a lie. The Rolex is probably real. Everything else is probably a lie. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I it was crazy. I mean, just he'd come up with these stupid stories, and then after that, um, we still were trying to like we had all the videos, like footage that we tried to catch of like any kind of confrontations or Zoom meetings we had him of him. Yeah, evidence. Um, yes. Words. Yeah, so we had like a bunch of folders and stuff, and okay. we had like all the all the people that were involved in it. I think there was like over 10 of us like involved in this and oh, maybe it's uh, enough for a case. Yeah. So we were, and one of them got scammed like pretty damn hard. Uh, yeah. And after that we wanted to, we were trying to get in contact with his parents and then trying to find his address. And so we can, you know, report him and get to the authorities and get him arrested. But he, vanished off the face of the earth all the social media completely gone and he probably changed his number and like everything and what, what was it that happened after that then we found him like a while later uh on a, some freelance website it was just some like i had never i haven't heard of it before and saying that he was doing social media marketing freelancing like afterwards he didn't have any clients nothing but he was gone he was ghost for like maybe half a year or something. And then we found him on there. Stand of the radar. And then we weren't, yeah, we weren't able to, um, sadly get him arrested, but it was a whole, Oh, and I totally for, forgot to talk about the whole, the people we got involved. Um, that's an important mm -hmm. part of the story. And okay. so I mentioned Iman Gaji before, who at mm -hmm. the time he wasn't quite as nowhere near as big as where he is now. Cause I don't even think he was at a hundred thousand subscribers at the time. And he was like, maybe at like 30 something thousand followers or something. That's insane. So it's quite uh, high. Still, still a good audience. Right. And he was still making tons of money yeah. and he was succeeding, but yeah. 
not not like huge public figure or anything like that. He's very niche. And we, some of us, I don't remember who, but I was in his his mentor's coaching program. And I knew his mentor personally. I wasn't like super close with him or anything, but I was acquainted with him, mm -hmm. uh, E-Man's mentor. And we were like, okay, um, Yadi was also coached by um, E-Man's mentor. And his name's Bob, by the way. I was referring Bob? to Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Yadu, E-Man, and yes. Bob. Yep. From all across the world. Saying I'm on it, I'm surprised. It's like you got all these other cool names and you have Bob. Shout out Bob. You're, he's a cool guy. I mean, I'm uh, sure he's a cool guy. I'm just joking, but okay. <laughs> so, wow. Bob produced so, an amazing apprentice and a shitty apprentice. I guess they cancel each other out. Yeah. I don't know if that works, but that's kind of um, crazy to think about. Um, and I don't know how much he actually coached Yadi because we can't say how much of that was truth because he's a compulsive liar. Hard to tell. Maybe um, never. So I don't know how much he's really coaching it, but Bob knew him um, like decent amount. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot more to the story that with Bob and everything with, and Yadi. But right. we got in contact with him and we're like, okay, you knew Yadi. And he was like, holy shit, this is crazy and everything. So he was just kind of on the sidelines. He's like, yeah, if you need anything, just let me know. And we were doing all the like heavy lifting. And sure. he's like, if I talk to E-Man about it, E-Man Gaji, uh, and he was... He was like, yeah, E-Man just like laughed at it. He thought it was, you know, just crazy. <laughs> and because the amount of people he scammed. And he was like, yeah, so E-Man said if like it gets to a point if we're able to get, you know, enough evidence in a case or whatever, that he would, E-Man would be open to essentially using his platform to kind of expose this guy. Uh, so that was pretty, that was kind of a cool part of the story. Did it and happen? Now he's like a huge guy. No, because we didn't. We didn't get enough. We didn't get to the authorities or anything. And then he and the Yachty just boom, just vanished. He was like, he's nowhere to be seen. You still can't find him on social media. He just. I would not want to be found. No. That's uh. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. It was crazy. So, what uh, what compelled you to share this story? What is what uh what are your takeaways uh, from it well don't trust everybody <laughs> that's a very the very easy one um, but especially in the social media game as we go along and we connect with people i think it's important we really get to know who they are before we move forward and get any closer with them and or like bring them on as a you know, on this podcast or something as a guest. So, cause that can make us look bad too. If we br bring someone in who eventually has turned into, you know, a scammer or something, but we didn't know. I've seen that happen though. You know, I, like, I, I wish I could remember specific examples, but I know it's, Oh, great example. Um, Sam Bankman freed. Yeah. <laughs> Founded FTX. 
right? That crypto exchange. Uh, I don't know where the case has landed on that, but it doesn't look like it's in his favor. Basically, he just misappropriated a lot of investor funds and lost millions, if not billions of dollars. I mean, crazy amount of money. However, prior to this fiasco he was he was basically in in the eyes of the public like this um he was like a god yeah i mean of sorts right he he i I just drive a a saturn or a prius or whatever it was even though i'm a billionaire well not even just that like his story is his parents they either teach at stanford or yale or like law professors he comes from uh I don't know what kind of background, just one that seems nice, right? Like, quote, good upbringing. He was young. It's like 20s, I think, or early 30s when he was doing all this. So he's smart. And so my my point is like, okay, so he was was good until he wasn't. He was admired by the public until he wasn't. And then Sam, Sam Harris who I, I listen to a lot of his podcasts. You could call him a modern philosopher. He's like a neuroscientist or he has a PhD in neuroscience. I've and, watched him a couple of times. Yeah. And, and I like how Sam Harris talks and I, I, I subscribed to his meditation app for the last three years. I even applied for a job there several years ago. Oh, I was, really? I was, I want to apply to join the product team over there. This is before oh, like postal. Okay. So it's been, it's been a minute. It's not like recent, just, just so that's known, but yeah, uh, my point is, we uh, we can only ever go off the information that we have at the time, and that's what Sam Harris did. Sam Harris, as far as you could tell, thought that Sam Bankman-Fried was a pretty honorable person with interesting ideas that he wanted to feature on his podcast. So he featured Sam Bankman-Fried on his podcast months before this, right before there was even any chatter even a possibility in the public eye of, of, a, of a controversy of, of the scale that it ended up being. And then after the news came out, Sam Harris did a couple things that I thought were reasonable. And I think it's just, it doesn't matter if you're a content creator or you just, you, you once endorsed a person and things have changed. I think this, this, this applies. So the first thing he did that I think made a lot of sense is he waited for some of the dust to settle so he didn't immediately say anything or issue an opinion to his audience the day after the New York Times article comes out or whichever one kind of the whichever bombshell article came out. He waited. He waited a month or two for the dust to settle for more evidence to come out before he issued any stern judgments about Sam Bacon Fried and what he and the kind of person that he may have ended up being in reality. So that I thought was cool. And then the second thing that I think was good is that he he recorded a solo podcast and it was like 18 minutes or 20 minutes, I forget how long. And he basically said, look, he, he said what I just said. He said, at the time, I thought Sam Bankman-Fried was great. Awesome dude. Honestly, that's what I thought. And and there, it was a good podcast conversation. Things have obviously changed. I don't know what to make of it. I'm not sure what the truth is, but it's certainly not looking good. 
And so this is one of those unfortunate situations where he may have not been the person that I thought he was. Right? Yeah. And I think that's the only way you can respond. I mean, even when you're exercising your best judgment, I agree with you, by the way, as an overarching principle, like try to choose, do choose wisely about who you work with, who you associate with, because they're not everybody is a fair player. It's not a fair world, right? People will scam you. People will backstab you. I mean, not everybody, but there is a kind of person in this world who will do that. Like, like your friend Yadu, right? Um, yeah. But even, yeah, even then, multiple... go ahead. Sorry. Um, yeah, no, I've had multiple experiences of people that I thought I, tr I could trust and I was very close to, essentially. He was the only one that was attempting the scam, but I've had people, you know, backstab and you thought they were someone super close to you, but they're not. And I've noticed the pattern in that is the ones that seem the nicest and are like almost to the point of being overly nice are the most usually sinister. not there for a good reason. They're, they're, yeah, sinister, you can say that. And they're not there for a good reason. They're trying to get something out of you. That's why they're being so overly nice because they're trying to get you on their side before they can pull that trigger and backstab you at the end of the day because they want something out of you. Whether that's like financially or like some kind of idea that, you know, business ideas or just relationships and, you know, emotionally using you, you know, it can be any of those things, but they're, yeah, those people, those really nice people are the ones I recognize that pattern now. Yeah. It seems like there's a balance to strike here that it's tough. It almost depends on the day. It's like, you don't want to be in a perfect world. You could be freely trusting. You would just trust everybody implicitly because it would be easy and it would make you feel good about the world if you could reliably do that, right? Mm -hmm. But as as you know, it doesn't work out that way. And then, no. dude, I was just remembering this morning. Now I'm getting fucking sidetracked. Okay, so like this morning, this kid is in first grade. He, uh, I mean, this is like one of the first lessons I experienced of like, you can't trust everybody. He called me an asshole. And then I, and then I, and first of all, I was not being an asshole. I was being nice as fuck. All right. <laughs> he literally just wanted to say the word asshole. That's yeah. literally it. I, he, he just wanted to say, and, and I get it like forbidden fruit, right? I just want to say mm -hmm. asshole. So I'm going to call you an asshole. And then, um, I told on him, you know, and, and I don't feel bad about it. I told the teacher, I was like, look, this, this, this kid called me an asshole. And then he fucking lied. He said, no, William called me an asshole. And that, that was like, my innocence just shattered. I was like, this bitch is lying. <laughs> like, what the, what? Not, now you're the fucking, you are the fucking asshole. Fuck, fuck you. Right? It's the most little kid thing I've ever heard. Oh my God. It's an so insanely funny. little kid thing. Like, 
yeah. as adults, we would just laugh about it. I mean, actually, no, if it like, I'd be a little annoyed if somebody like lied to my face and it was like, no, actually you called me, you know, like it'd be annoying. But like I, as an adult, you can just wave, pass it off. But as a kid, yeah. it, it oh, there like, is something, <laughs> it was a massive deal because that's the thing about children that is so beautiful, but it's, it, it, it's the real world doesn't, isn't completely compatible with it. When you're a kid, you trust everybody. Right. It's why your it's why your parents have to tell you not to talk to strangers. Because mm -hmm. you want to talk to strangers. I mean, not all kids, right? But you're just you trust them. Should you? No. Right. But all right, man. That was a digression. My point is, yeah, I get it. Like you, you, you can't trust everybody. <laughs> but at the yeah. same time, you don't want to be on that other end of the spectrum, where you implicitly distrust. Right. Or you quote yeah. have trust issues yeah but I, experience can push you in that direction in either direction yeah. i can uh can i say something real quick you i'm uh, done go <laughs> that was it okay um yeah that is one thing because i've had multiple experiences of people i've gotten close to and i thought i can trust um backstab me in some way and that yeah. definitely, especially the last one, because that was like the third time they had happened within the span of a couple of years. Are you talking about Yadu now or somebody else? Um, it, it, just different people. Okay. That have done it. The Got last it. one wasn't Yadu. It wasn't Yadu. Um, okay. Yadu, I just did the second one or something. But, or Got I'm it. just stupid. I didn't learn. <laughs> but um, after the last one, I definitely did. Um. And I definitely already sort of had a level of trust issues after the first two. And then the last one happened. And there was a kind of a combination of a lot of things going on in my life at the time anyway. So it might have made it a little worse overall. Um, but after that last one, then I was like, I already have these trust issues kind of. And then this one just kind of like threw me over and I was like, man, yeah, I, I, it's hard to want or to even like be able to trust people after that because it's happened so many times in such a short span of time. And I've eventually I've, I'm doing better with it and I'm coming back Good. to norm and I can trust people. Uh, like I trust you and I, I totally I'll trust you. It. Um, so it, like if this was maybe two years ago that mm -hmm. we met, I maybe would not. definitely, yeah, I would definitely have some issues. Like it would take a bit of time to even get to some level of trust that I can like, that I can even feel like I can trust you. Even if you have a hundred percent good intentions. So I've definitely climbed that wall for the most part now. Yeah. But, yeah, no. It's a, it's a lot. I don't know where I was well, going good. this, but no, no, no. You're just you're just saying how you've how, how it's affected you and how you've evolved and where you are now. And you, I mean, you yeah. said the word normal. I don't think there's such a thing as normal. Like I, it as as it pertains to trust, but as it pertains to a lot of things, we say normal, but like what what the fuck is normal, right? Like, right. There, there's a whole distribution. It, it, it's also part of why there's this term that. I think is is ultimately good, like neurodiversity. 
right? What, mm-hmm. what is a normal thinking person? It's no such thing. Every, every person has, has a milieu of thoughts and experiences that, right? And it's the same thing with trust. It's not that you had an abnormal level of distrust and, right? It's just, you have different levels of trust throughout life and your experience drives that. And it's, none of it seems as bad as it sounds like it's a survival mechanism on some level. It's like, well, it hasn't worked in your favor in recent years. I mean, it seems like it's gotten better, but there was a point in time where it hasn't worked in your favor. So of course you wouldn't trust as easily because you don't want to get burned again because it sucks and it's annoying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it can do some damage to you. Like it can damage your life for real. Uh, And it felt like it damaged me because I was already having issues like with my personal life. I'm not issues, but like just things going on that already weren't going in my favor. Like, for example, at that, within that same span of time with the last person that, you know, hurt me, um, I lost my, essentially I lost my company to COVID and that was already because I worked so hard for you know years yeah. to get to a point. Yeah. And, um, then after that, <laughs> then another person that, you know, played with my trust came into my life and then fucked with that. And I remember getting to a point and I'm getting a little deep here, but I remember getting to a point like, did you ever, you played cyberpunk, right? 2077. Yeah, I'm still in the last mission because I want to finish all the side quests. So I haven't completed okay. it. I won't, okay, I won't spoil the end. Uh, Do not spoil the end. And you know, the whole thing is it's very like you're a loner, like your main character, V is a loner. You only had like your, you know, your one friend um, who dies in the beginning. And throughout the game, it's just you trying to, you know, make relationships and uh, escape essentially they don't want to yeah. be there anymore and i had that and that you know that that dystopian future and that that feeling of just escaping something and i remember playing cyberpunk because this was around the same time that cyberpunk came out and i remember i was excited for that game and i played it and i was so like absorbed into that universe and i could relate to a lot of it and i remember going shoot like makes me like feel like I want to run away too. <laughs> I don't know what the, how this connects, but um, yeah, it, it was just, it was funny. And I was like, I don't, I can't trust anybody anymore. I need to escape. And it was, I remember it got that bad at that point. So that's, I guess I'm connecting it to that game and the feeling of that. If anyone oh, else has the... played it and understand that. I get the vibe from the game. I think, um, what was that movie with Ryan Gosling? Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Similar. Oh, I mean, you showed you sent me a clip from Blade Runner. All these dystopian movies in the future, Ready Player One, mm-hmm. they all envision a version of the world where we're all lonelier. But ironically, yeah. we're more connected. Like we have more technology. We can f- we have flying cars. Oh, you're breaking up. And I can't hear yeah, you. Are you anymore. still there? Uh oh. Can you hear me? Oh, now I can hear you. Your camera is super slow, and I can hear you, but your camera is super slow, so I can't really see you. Wow. Okay, now I can't see you. Oh, oh, no, I heard you. We're continuing the podcast. 
whatever. Okay. Audio. As long Audio as is fine. Yeah, dude. It's cool. Um, Do I look okay on this side? Yeah. I think it was okay. just a, a, blip, a blip in the internet. Okay. That's what matters. So yeah, as long as you yeah. can, I can see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, I was just saying all, all these dystopian futures or or films and stories and vision of reality where we're all lonelier. Uh, and I feel like it's a cautionary tale because I, I mean, I think there's some truth to it. Yeah. Like we're just, when I first waited restaurants, uh, this was like, it's when I took a gap year. I graduated high school. Then I worked at a Chinese restaurant uh, as a waiter. And mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many tables I waited where families and friends, these are college friends, right? They they all met, but then as they're eating, they're all staring at their phones. Yeah. Like, they're and they're they're like, you can imagine like there's this wiring and they're like plugged into their phone, and like nobody makes eye contact, and it's it's like they're hijacked because it's not like humans don't like connection. It's just being able to facebook figured that shit out if you if you just pull your thumb down and you like pull the lottery thing down or the what's it called in the slot machine right you're playing slots yeah and you're so excited about what you're going to get like what information you're going to get you'd rather do that than do what we're doing now which is talk fuck man right we're we're on track to that kind of i mean i'm not saying like that dystopia but to the whole loneliness thing like nowadays how they talk about the whole there's like specifically right now um men are more lonely than ever right now and i'm just using that as a specific example and it's because of the lack of human like real human connection we're just glued to our phones we're looking scrolling through tiktok looking at content through there we get all our news we get all our entertainment from all these social media apps or just the internet in general and we don't need that i mean not say we don't need it but we feel like we don't need that genuine human connection like going out and doing things and like oh let's instead of uh playing video games tonight when i you know you're my you live a couple blocks down and you'd rather play video games with your friend rather than go out and take a hike or something. And we're already on that path. I I think personally to a point of like just loneliness because of the internet. It's interesting because it's the, the the thing that helps us the most is the counterintuitive thing, which is to to remember what life was like when you didn't have a phone. This is actually especially true for the younger generation who grew up with a smartphone. I did not grow up with a smartphone. You're young enough that I don't think you did, or you're old enough, I guess is what I should be saying. Um, didn't get my first smartphone till senior year of high school. Yeah, I think it's probably wise. Yeah. And but even so, even so, like we're so used to pulling out our phones when we're just idling 
or when we're bored or when we're in public or when we're walking down long corridors and we don't want to make eye contact with, I mean, I do that. <laughs> but like, we don't remember what life is like without it. And I'm not saying we should get rid of our phones, but I'm, there yeah. is probably a healthier relationship. And, and the other thing is this perfectly highlights the two-sided kind of relationship with all the platforms we're posting on. We post on TikTok and Instagram and LinkedIn because we want to get a useful message out there. But at the same time, these platforms are, are full of other users trying to hack the algorithm and they'll post things that are entertaining but don't make you feel whole, which is, I, I think it's not what we're trying to do. I think we're trying to do stuff that is engaging, but enables the person to walk away with something meaningful that they can do or think about in their life. It's a, it's interesting to balance like dancing videos on TikTok are actually really fucking entertaining and that's why they get so many views. But should you watch dancing videos for five hours a day or three hours at some point, the entertainment becomes debilitating and it becomes not good for you. And, uh, if you're not even thinking about it as a problem, a potential problem, then you're not even going to think about drawing a line. You'll just watch the videos until you're sick of it and you'll never be yeah. sick of it because the algorithm's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's the whole enterprise. It's how they make money. A great algorithm. They're there to get you addicted. <laughs> um, I remember, do you remember when Instagram made that change? Like they were putting more of like the kind of content you watch at the top of your feed rather than who last posted when it changed yeah. to that, that was a weird change. I remember when that first happened, that was like 2019, 2018. I mean, and, uh, it made no sense at first I remember. And then now you can yeah. see how effective it is. I mean, yeah, as a data scientist, that's the one thing that is just intellectually interesting. You've got millions of users, so it's super easy to AB test rapidly and refine your product because they have like critical mass. You just got like, when you have enough users, you can run all these tests. It's very cool. It's very cool. Um, but again, the objective function is both good and evil. It's to maintain attention, but it doesn't care what the content is. It's agnostic to the content, which is also why like you see a lot of polarizing shit rising to the top because mm -hmm. the polarizing nature of it is what gets engagement. And so the incentive produced to produce more content like that is at an all time high. And, um, Instagram, frankly, can't control it. They cannot, it, it's not as easy as people make it out to sound like these are algorithms based on machine learning and AI. And it's, it really is a black box and it just, it, the only goal is more clicks, more views, more attention, more paid ads, higher paid ads. Like that's it. So, yeah. Um, I did want to say one, one, just one point about the whole trust thing that yeah. is kind of poetic. Um, it's interesting to think about. It's like, it's true for trust and it's true for like in relationships when people choose to love each other, um, partnerships, they're all different classes of relationships, but they require some mutual sacrifice. So there's the trust element. There's love in relationships, and they're all a little bit interrelated. Partnerships, business partnerships, mutual trust, mutual vulnerability, and it's always like two sides. And this is the beautiful 
and agonizing side of it, which is, um, it's like a gift. And the only, and the reason why it's a gift is because when you give the trust or you give the love to somebody, you sacrifice, you, you agree to some pain in the future, whether it's intentional or not. I guess this is more true for like loving somebody, right? Like if, if you, uh, a married couple, they get married, one of them dies first, the other person's in agony. Right. That's the contract they signed because they said, look, I'm going to care for you so much and emotionally bond our exist, like my perception of your existence in my life so much that when you are gone or you betray me, right? Like divorce, I, yeah. I accept that pain is the price I will pay to give this to you today. Right. Um, and I, I said that about love because that's the thing that like affects me the most as a thought, but it's, it's the same thing. It, it Trust is baked into that. It's like, look, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my neck on the line and you can, you, you, I'm going to turn my back. I'm going to let you walk behind me and I'm going to trust you not to put a knife in it. Yeah. That's part of what trust is. And you know, they have a knife, you know, they can procure a knife. You know they can do stuff behind your back, literally, because you're, you're you're agreeing that you're not going to be as vigilant, or or you're just gonna you're gonna assume they'll do what they say that they'll do, and uh, so it's a gift when it's given. It's a gift when it's earned, and uh, I don't know. It's beautiful and really fucking painful. There's that, a lot of there's a lot of know. pain and, and beauty and the beauty of it. Um. You know, maybe, you know, or I don't know if you see this or I guess you have to go to a museum to see it. I forget what it's called, like kin, Kintsugi. Say uh, that again. Kintsugi. I'm not here. I, I do have to Google this because I feel like I'm messing it up. Okay. Oh, no, I got it right. No, I did not. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> Kintsugi is this art form. Well, now we kind of artificially make it, but before it was not so artificial um okay it's like it's like this it's where broken pots um that have like drops or bowls or cups have been dropped or damaged and they're repaired with hold on i oh i'm showing it to the wrong camera it's like and they're repaired with uh gold here in slow motion son of a all right, you, you can look it up. It's K I uh, just let me describe it to you. The video of this podcast may not be great, but for those listening, they're going to have to understand it anyways without seeing it. So Kintsugi again is this art where broken dishware are repaired with gold. And so they're they're put back intact and there's just all these beautiful gold streaks that now adorn this oh, this cool. piece of dishware and it's beautiful it emerges as this new kind of beauty compared to its original form that was you know and it was once broken it makes me think of kintsugi because uh i feel like that's often the opportunity we get when we are betrayed or when we experience like pain from the loss of love or or that kind of thing it's like 
you'll be broken, but you can reemerge and restore yourself in a different form. And um, it will still suck, but it can be meaningful and it can be beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I think you want to show it. You can, or did you show it to the camera? I couldn't tell because. I did, dude. I, I'm really curious to see what actually shows in the recording, but yeah. Okay. Because I'm looking at it here. Kintsugi. I don't know. Yeah, I was curious, like, if you might have seen it at some point. Um, That's Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, like, if you had seen it, like, in one of your trips in Japan. But I, I don't know where you would readily see it other than, like, maybe a museum or some gift yeah. shops maybe have some, right? Yeah. I'm sure there – I just didn't pay attention. I'm sure there was some stuff out there. That's cool. All right, man. We are almost – up at two hours and that which is crazy because that actually flew by um and this has been the cadence for this is the cadence for our last episode or episode one it's like we've got the structure and then we ease into these there's like emergence like i really like where we landed on this topic of this interesting roller coaster of distrust and like being frauded right and then yeah just thinking about um what the implications are so i like that um but are you ready do you think we're ready to cap it off with the closing question yeah let's do it let's do it all right all right so the question folks is the reflective question is what gives you the most meaning and um i think it can change by the day potentially or different seasons of life but the question is right now in your season of life me or dylan what gives you the most meaning can be one thing can be many things dylan would you like to go first yeah yeah definitely um i have two things and give me meaning first one i think a lot of people can relate to this is family my and just loved ones in general so my friends and my family um I pretty much do, I do a lot of this because of, you know, ego and selfish reasons too, but at the selfish end of the day, bad. you told me that. Exactly. And Sorry, but ahead, yeah. you're connecting the dots. Um, but at the end of the day, everything I do is because I want to eventually with the hope to be able to take care of everyone around me that I love. And that is it's so important to me and that's what keeps me moving forward and drives me. Um, <laughs> I just blank out on my second point. Oh, oh, uh, I almost brain farted. Not blank um, anymore. Nope. <laughs> and that is when I'm on my deathbed knowing that I never became the best version of myself. When if, if I'm, I just live my life just on cruise mode, not caring and just being whatever. Um, I would never know what the truest potential of Dylan could have been. I could have been, you know, living <laughs> a lavish life yes. and take, being able to take care of my family and my friends and supporting all of them. And I can retire everybody. Like, I mean, that's a huge goal, but that'd be something awesome that I wish I could do, or I hope I can do. Um, and I don't want to live or like live. I don't want to die with that 
regret of, wow, I, I didn't do enough. And I will never, ever be able to see what life could have been like if I just busted ass and lived up to my truest potential. So that's, that's, those are the two key things for me in my, that give me meaning in my life. Speaking of busting ass, would you like to increase the number of videos that you want to commit to doing between now and next week? Yeah. I guess <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I should though. Um, Give me a number, man. Make it hard. Let's, let's go at least record. So upload, what, what do you say? June 15th. That's on Wednesday? seven days from now. It's next Thursday. Next Thursday, okay. Um, I want to have three videos ready and to have at least one of them up by that time. Because I think right. I can I can do that realistically. Um, obviously, I like it, talking about this, it might sound to whoever's watching like, oh, it's just a short, like it's easy. It's like we put we put some thought into it. Like it, it, we need to put thought into it, what we're saying and how we're putting the video and we're making the video. Um, yeah, dude. Speaking of which, we still have to go over some Descript stuff together. Yes. Yeah, so, so for those who are listening, Descript is one of the editing software that we use or the one I've been using a lot. And uh, we're going to have a collab session where I run through with Dylan how I've been cutting some just to give him an idea and he'll start cutting some clips as well and making some... Yeah magical content that's um, right that's beautiful man i love it anything you want to add not right now no that's a, those are the two things right now i'm sure i've got some more things that can pop into my head but okay as Top model, of mind, those are the two yeah those, those are the two things okay yeah um i will give my response then let's hear it uh, I, and there's going to be some overlap for sure i mean i, I agree with you the family it's huge. I realize it's it's not necessarily a huge thing for everybody, but I, I guess I would consider myself lucky. I grew up in a very supportive family, and uh, I love them all. We all have, for the most part, great relationships. And I just want to be a good uh, son, brother, nephew, partner, um, all of those things. So that's one. The second is um, what gives me meaning is finding ways to honor my dad, right? I mentioned last episode, he sacrificed everything, truly. And whether he's out there or not, it's important to me to conduct myself and to work in a way that I believe he would be proud of. Uh, thankfully, we're very aligned. So I didn't tell you this uh, before, but like one of the last things he said I mean, like, yeah, it's like one of the last things he said, and we've gotten on video. It's like, take care of yourself, your mom, your partner, and your family. He didn't say work hard in, in like, your job. He said, I mean, those things are important, but hmm. it meant a lot. It was insightful to know that that's what he focused on and nothing else. Just take care of those things. Um, so, yeah, honoring my dad, for sure. And then I'm going to, yeah, I'm pretty much going to agree with you on the other thing, which is uh, regret minimization. 
right now we're young enough and we feel invincible enough and our joints are flexible enough and painless enough that time is just a concept. Sometimes when I talk about death, it's still elusive to me because I'm not close to it or I don't feel close to it. But there will come a time when I'm 40 or 50, certainly 70 or 80, where it's going to be abundantly clear in my bones, in my achy joints, in my wrinkled face that I look at every morning that this show is about to end. And time is not on my side. The curtains are literally closing in slow motion. I will be scared. I'm anticipating that I will be scared. Genuinely scared. I get panic attacks. Real panic attacks. I mean, like, um, thinking about the nothingness or the, just the, the idea of nothingness. Uh, I've, I've been just, there too. Yeah, like the moment of death freaks me the fuck out. And, and the last thing I want to add on top of that is because you can, you got to be honest with yourself when you're at that age. Did I live the life that I wanted to live? Right? And you will know. You're not going to have to think about it too hard. You're not going to have to ask a lot of questions. You'll know in your gut that you took the risks that you knew you had to take and you, you pulled all the stops. Alternatively, you'll also know if you stayed in marching order and went through the motions for seven decades, sorry, no do-overs. That's fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm freaking I, myself I, out right now. Yeah, you know? I've I I feel you on that. I've I I think the first time I had, well, the the only time really that I've had, um, I guess it's a panic attack. Um, I don't know. I don't know the difference between like an anxiety attack and a panic attack, but uh, was because of that thought of what comes after, and you know, is it nothingness? Is there something there? Uh, we don't know. And I got really deep and thought about that. And it was like, holy shit, that's crazy. Like, you don't know. And then it gives you that perspective of how limited our time is here. And that we need to try to live up to our truest potential with the short time we have here. Yeah. I think that's where the utility comes from. It can, you can feel like doom or you can grab this fear by the you know, horns or whatever the phrase is and just say, you know what? I'm at, I'm at it in an advantageous position right now. You're 20 something. I'm 20 something for a few more months. Holy shit. Um, and then assuming we stay in reasonably good health and no weird ass accidents happen, we've got time to, to work hard and do cool things, form deep relationships, give that love, give that trust probably get hurt along the way but to still do it anyways because it's it's worth it when it does work out you know um yeah so yeah i <laughs> we overlap and i i don't think these are extraordinarily uh specific to us in many ways like i have to believe a lot of humans want to do well by the people they love and and to honor them and so hopefully those listening who've made it this far can, can relate and, and maybe take this as a, a moment or a sign to reflect on that 
and ask yourself, what are you doing? And uh, are you doing what you want to do? Are you going through the motions? And taking it dead fucking seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Don't forget to have fun. Yeah, have a good time. I mean, don't take yourself too fucking seriously. Be, yeah. be, be intense about the work, but you can have fun while being intense about the work. So, I think um, that's kind of, don't you think that's pretty much the definition of falling in love with the process? It's yeah, you being intense in your work and being very disciplined, but fall in love with that process, that literally doing those things. And then it won't seem like such a chore. It'll, All right. I do have to make this point. Oh, no, Second please finish. I interrupted you. Continue. Yeah. Or say no, what you were saying. I was, I was just saying it's, it's then at that point, it just, it's second nature and it's just a subconscious thing. Yeah. I, I was going to add to that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is related. Like Alan Watts, he's like this British philosopher. Uh, I think, yeah, you just call him a British philosopher. He said, life is a musical, not a journey. And his point was the journey is about getting to be right. It's like, it's, and I realized that we talk about our podcasts about getting from A to B. So there's a little bit of contradiction, but I think the point is well taken either way. Yeah. It like a lot of times in life, we're excited for like the promotion. And then we have amnesia about the whole journey to get there. And like, it's, we're only focused on the, the, the last step or the peak of the mountain. And we, we seem in some cases, not everybody, it's generalization, right? Like we, we're, we're just not interested in, in the actual process of climbing the mountain. We seem to think that the peak is the only thing that matters. And this is why I think his analogy of a musical is great. Why do you go to a musical? Are you going to a musical to watch the curtains close? No, you go to a musical to watch the play. You're, you're there for literally everything in between. The last thing you care about is when the curtains close. You're there for right. the story. You're there for, yeah. for things to unfold and to enjoy the unfolding of them. And I think that is a much better analogy for human life than it's A to B. It's always getting somewhere. It's always trying to achieve something to achieve some number in your checking account. And then allowing your brain to adopt this stupid logic of um, if only then. So the logic is, if only I had this promotion, then I'll be happy. If only I made this salary, then I would be happy. You're just wasting so much life with that mindset. There's so much before the if only that's also your life. So. Yeah, no, definitely. That's a great analogy. All right. This has been a two-hour episode. Uh, almost, I guess, one hour and 51 minutes. But thank you. Shall we close? Yeah, unless you have anything else to add. Uh, I don't. Talk about. I think this, this, is, this has been good. So thank you, listeners, uh, for tuning in to episode two of JFD Podcast. On Spotify, you will notice that there is a question that says or asks, what did you think of this episode? If you have feedback, let us know. Is it too unstructured? Would you like more structure? Are there things that we could change about this podcast that would make it of more valuable 
of more value to you. It's already of infinite value to me and Dylan, so all we want to do is just make sure that it's valuable for the people that we're actually putting this out for. Yeah. So let us know and um, just know that we don't take we don't take it personally. Just be honest about what you think, and um, we would love to, to hear from you. Yeah. Dylan, you want, want to add anything to that? Yeah. Um, also on YouTube, that's another thing. We really want to grow there too. So if you watch us on YouTube, which I know uh, there are people that are watching on YouTube, um, comments, leave comments, feedback. We need it. We want to hear it. Um, also put that the notification bell on so that, <laughs> so that you can get updates. Yep. And, um, yeah, subscribe there, like it, engage with it so we can push the algorithm and hopefully get these episodes out there to the people. And yeah, and then just leave, leave your feedback in the comments. We'd love to hear it. All right. Oh, cool. and, and follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube and Spotify. We need to add those links onto a page at the end of this podcast. We can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. All right. Thank you all. And uh, let's just have it fade out as I'm saying words and pressing the stop button. Blah, 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 blah.